Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I hope your Monday is off to a good start here on this Feast of St. Mark, the Evangelist, one of the authors of the Gospels. And I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you here for this hour of The Inner Life. When have you been hurt by someone that you trusted? You know, we all have dealt with being hurt by someone in our past. Perhaps that hurt hasn't been all that bad for you. You've been able to move on from it fairly easily. Maybe you've been hurt many times by numerous people, and it's left some serious emotional scars that are still impacting you daily or weekly or periodically. But what if you've been hurt by somebody within the church, inside the walls of the church? You know, that's the setting where you should be able to trust that others will not harm you. They won't take advantage of you. Yet, sadly, we are not immune to being hurt within the church hurt by others. And whether it's someone in a role of leadership or authority or simply another parishioner, when you're hurt in the church, naturally it can impact your ability to continue on in your faith. I want to share with you the impact that this can have on an individual. And what I'm going to read here is from a young woman And she's still suffering from being hurt by someone in the church a number of years ago. This also, I want to give warning, that this might not be appropriate for younger ears and a lot of the conversation that we'll have today. So if you have a child nearby, again, this is a warning that we'll be discussing some things on the inner life today that might be a slightly uh, more mature subject matter. So if you need to come back and revisit this hour later... When you're alone or at a more appropriate time, just remember you can always get the podcast at our website, RelevantRadio.com, or uh, on the Relevant Radio app. Now, this young woman that I'm talking about who was hurt in the church, she has given me permission to share this with you here on the show today. She knew that I was going to share her words. She had a priest who took advantage of her sexually, and she was seeking counseling and spiritual direction from this priest. And she was seeking it for sexual assault that she had experienced earlier in her life. And then this priest, he assaulted her as well. And now four years later, she's still dealing with the impact of that abuse. And I'm going to keep her name anonymous, but these are her words on what she continually struggles with in her life. She says, I deal with confusion, so much confusion. This priest told me that I was like his daughter, that he cared about me, that he wanted to beat up the person who had sexually assaulted me prior. Then he turned around and he used the information that he had gained about that assault to make me freeze. He used it as a guide to make it easier to hurt me. I had to reconcile that this man, who I thought cared about me, was grooming me, 
that I was simply an object to him. I struggle with self-hatred. I was an adult. I should have seen the red flags. I should have fought harder. I should have done more. At some point, I had to move on from this, learn that if predators were that easy to spot, they wouldn't have victims. And he had the upper hand since he was my spiritual director and knew everything about me. I suffer from loss of faith and spirituality. I am still Catholic, but I cannot begin to explain how difficult it can be to go to Mass and receive the sacraments. Something as simple as being in a Mass where I don't know the presiding priest can still give me a panic attack. Prayer is difficult, and I argue with God a lot. The symptoms of all of this, PTSD, depression, anorexia, suicidal thoughts, all of this is stuff that I either had to deal with or am continuing to deal with because of what this priest did. I am the one facing the consequences of his actions. I am the one suffering because of his decisions. Again, these are the words of a woman hurt by a member of the clergy. Maybe you've been hurt by a member of the, the clergy. And the words of this woman resonate with you. And I'm not simply talking about sexual abuse here. Maybe you experienced rejection or humiliation. And maybe it was not a priest. Maybe it was a staff member at your parish. Or perhaps you had another layperson who hurt you. Or they hurt a member of your family with their words, with their actions, whatever it might be. So how do you start the process of healing after suffering this kind of hurt within the church? How do you look past that hurt and not associate it with your faith? Just like this woman said, it can be so hard to go to Mass and receive the sacraments. How can you learn to be joyful? How can you find peace so that you can continue on in practicing your faith when the atmosphere of the parish can bring back a flood of pain or trauma for you? Well, this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life. And our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, is here with us. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort Catholic Church there in the Philly area. Uh, Father Walsh, it's so good to have you back on the program here today as uh, we're going to be dealing with such a serious and, and really difficult topic here. Thank you so much for the time, and thank you, yes, for our willingness to tackle this, which is a an issue that has affected so many in the Church, but... <clears throat> also those outside the church, which sometimes is held up as the reason for why people don't even consider joining us. So it's a, an important topic to bring to the light for the healing grace of God. Well, and again, regardless of who might have hurt us in the church, the most obvious place, I think, to start is with the sexual abuse scandals, um, Catholic priests, and of course, there's also then the issue of the cover-up that happened for so many years. And there have been a lot of steps that have been taken within the church to try and ensure as much as possible that nothing like this will ever happen again. Um, sometimes I think when these conversations happen, somebody who is trying to defend the church, not necessarily defend a priest, but defend the church will say something like, well, it's, it's a very small percentage of priests that have ever abused someone, or they might say that sexual abuse from uh, other professions, teachers or coaches, other people in roles of authority, that the, the sexual abuse in those areas is far more prevalent than it might be in the priesthood. But 
I, I've never really cared for that. You know, the the person who says that is trying to say, well, in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, abuse abuse done by priests is really small in comparison. But you know, <laughs> there's also a difference, yeah. Father, in the calling right. of a priest who has answered and said, I will be the face of Christ. I will serve the church to help care for, to shepherd, to take care of these people who come, who will be in, in moments of vulnerability. And there shouldn't be any abuse that happens at the hands of a priest. So uh, first of all, you know, just starting off with th- this is unacceptable. Um, there's trying That's to fine. paint it that it, it, you know, oh, it's less than this, or it's not quite as bad as that. Um, I, I don't even want to start there. I want to just out and out say, this never should have happened. That's right. There's that uh, cliche line, two wrongs don't make a right, but they often make a fight. And I think that I've seen that unfold so many times where someone brings up some abuse uh, that happened within the church, particularly clergy sex abuse, and, and again, those responses. And again, every type of abuse is wrong. I think what raises the, the level of church abuse, when we think about our own theology, you know, we call, I'm called father for a reason, because I'm, I'm seen as the father of a community. And so we're a priest to harm, or when priests did harm children within the community. It, it, it goes beyond sexual abuse, and it really becomes incest, you know, because it, it's a violation of a spiritual bond. And, of course, the, the sexual abuse is perpetuated to uh, either the child or the adult. You know, we don't want to discount all of those abusive relationships as well. But but then beyond the sexual abuse is the emotional abuse and the abuse of power that impacts the, the siblings and the family and the parents and the grandparents who were often used to get access to the child or get access to the adult victim. Uh, the violations uh, in, in your introductory story of of, of counseling relationships, or sometimes, sadly, even the sacrament of reconciliation, where the priest abuser used information. And so the violations are egregious, particularly when we understand the role that the priest has, um, you know, which is which is far greater than a teacher or a counselor or a scout leader. Every abuse is wrong, but this one I, I've called for years incestuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other thing that I think for those of us who maybe don't know somebody who has been impacted by abuse within the church, um, uh, people who haven't experienced it firsthand or, you know, again, known somebody, this is, it, it should bring up for all of us the importance of praying for priests. I think it's so common for us, the laity, we approach priests asking for your prayers but we need to be continually praying for our priests too, for their spiritual protection, for their growth in the virtues. Yeah, and, and certainly. But again, I think our first response, and, and sadly, I, I've heard from many victims of sexual abuse that they don't hear enough prayers of intercession for victims of, of, of mm, sexual abuse, sure. not just by clergy. But we don't talk about it enough in the church, even though I think we have a chance to become a real leader on this because it has affected us in so many ways. You know, the, the statistics on, on sexual abuse are horrific. And so it affects, you know, probably a good portion of our church. If they themselves were not a victim, uh, a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a neighbor, a friend. And, and so, yeah, certainly praying for the protection of our priests, praying that they, they have the choice uh, of virtue, uh, praying that there be healthy systems in place to recognize 
um, what often can lead priests to become abusive in whatever form, that, that they can get the help they need, and they can be humble enough to receive the help. And, and the diocese and the parish has a way of helping uh, myself and my brother priests become healthier. Well, and you're talking about, you know, prayers of intercession for those who are the victim. Um, if somebody has been hurt by a member of the clergy, let's talk about some of those different aspects. I think it's also, there can be this attitude of, if I've been hurt by someone in that role of authority in the church, I can't get angry at them without putting my own faith in jeopardy or invalidating my faith or feeling like I'm attacking my faith. But I think it's important not to conflate those two, that this is a person who has hurt you, and it is okay to be angry, and by being angry, you're not invalidating or attacking your Mm -hmm. faith. Yeah, I think one of the things that many victims who have been hurt by the Church, and again, not just child sex abuse, but adult sexual abuse, or just, you know, emotional abuse, neglect, um, you, you know, violation of, of secrecy or not cared for in a way that, that, that was felt, we often can't receive healing from the person who is the one who hurt us. So I think we have to be clear on that. But no one is asking you to go to the person who hurt you and, and seek healing. Uh, that's not going to happen. And it might not even happen in your own parish, you know, where there might have been a system uh, that sort of prevented the, the, the abuse from stopping. But but I think it, it's looking elsewhere. I know some friends of mine who have been sadly victims of, of abuse by clergy. Um, they're not yet at the point where they can attend Mass, but they have found solace in certain shrines and praying on their own and uh, certain ways of, of expressing devotion um, that, that has brought them a sense of healing and comfort and an awareness that God loves them, and God didn't want this to happen either. I think good pastoral counseling can help the person. Because, again, when you're abused or neglected or hurt by someone in the church, it can some sort of times be conflated that somehow God was involved in this or, or God blessed this. And certainly with unhealthy images of of clergy, that can happen. And so sometimes there needs to be healing uh, also of that, that, that image of God, that God didn't want this to happen, that God never wants to see anyone hurt. Um, and, and again, we can look throughout scriptures, particularly some of the Old Testament scenes where, where, where people who were faith leaders hurt others, you know, and, and it took time, but, but God certainly brought people to justice, and God was an instrument of healing for the people as well. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, if, if somebody, whether it's in the confessional, somebody seeking spiritual direction, and, you know, uh, that information is used to then be able to take advantage of that individual, uh, how can you? Uh, I, I mean, the biggest issue here is going to be trust. You know, broken trust mm-hmm. that you had in this person who was supposed to be caring for you as a a, uh, a person in authority appointed by Christ Himself. How do you end up being able to go and seek help when that trust has been broken? Um, I, I would think it must be incredibly hard to then trust any other priest in the future. Um, and, and maybe that's part of it, too, that you know we can discuss here, is 
Whenever we experience something bad, pain, difficulty in our life, we want that to be gone immediately. And this will probably not be a quick process. It's going to take time to be able to grow back in a way that you would be able to trust another priest if you've been hurt in the past. Yeah, and, and I think this is where um, your, your listeners play such a, a crucial role, because oftentimes they're, someone is going to share their abuse, their neglect, their hurt with, with a friend, uh, a sibling, a family member, someone that they knew from church, long before it's ever brought up to a member of the clergy. And I think it's their response, and then they're being able to direct someone. Right? This happens in so many ways when the church is an instrument of healing. And I think, from my experience, what victims of abuse want um, when they're looking to reconcile with the church and looking to reconcile with God is they want people from the church who get it, lay people who get it, um, uh, religious who get it, and certainly priests who get it, and, and certainly, please God, bishops who get it, who don't try to do the company line. You know, who don't try to say, well, you know, it's less than 1% or most of those events happened a long time ago. Well, it didn't happen a long time ago. It happened to me several years ago or whatever the person is going to say. And, and so just to listen to the person, to let them tell their story, to be empathetic, you know, to assure them that they did nothing wrong, right? Um, they're, they're agreeing to have, uh, you know, coffee with Father, you know, in the evening did not set them up to be abused, they're they're going to seek healing for another, you know, and becoming vulnerable. That that didn't make it, you know. Just like again, we we've changed our larger culture. That a a young girl on a college campus who maybe dresses immodestly, she didn't deserve sexual assault, right? And, and we have to get past that sort of thinking that oh well, the person shouldn't have been there, or the parents shouldn't have let the kid, right. you know, you know, the go, classic go on the victim trip. blaming. No. Exactly. Yeah. Be empathetic. Be empathetic. And I think that's going to be the, the first step in a very, very long road to healing, um, you know, for, for folks who are hurting. Talking with Father Chris Walsh today, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, talking about when we have been hurt in the church. And not just talking about clergy, talking about anybody who's in the church. Might be somebody who works in the parish office, might be just another lay person. But if someone in the church has hurt you, how have you been able to find healing? How have you been able to be able to move into that area where you can finally forgive that person who hurt you? And what has helped you on your journey? Or maybe you're in the midst of this struggle right now and you'd like some advice and some encouragement, and you can call in and join the program today, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149 is the phone number, and our email is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Uh, Father, before we go to our first break here, um, as I said, we're not only going to be talking about hurt caused by the clergy. We're going to look at some different situations where anyone, whether it's clergy or lady, has caused hurt in the church for us or for someone we love. And we'll probably, you know, discuss this continually throughout the hour. But the the concept that this person who hurt us, they're an individual, they're not representative of the entire church, that can be such a hard thing when you have been hurt. Um, any advice on how you can try and 
you know, without, without diminishing the pain and the trauma that you're going through, be able to come to the realization that this is an individual and does not represent the church at large? Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a unique journey for each person because sometimes the larger church was involved. You know, uh, you know, again, maybe it's a sexual harassment or, um, you know, just a emotional abuse that happens at a parish, maybe by the parish secretary or the DRE or even the pastor. And then when the person does complain, other people cover up or minimize. Or when the regional dean or vicar is contacted, they minimize. And so, in, in a sense, sometimes it is the larger church. But it's the larger church that's still made up of individuals. And so I think our, 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 when we've been hurt by people, we have to see it in that framework, slow it down over time, and name the people who have hurt us and how they've hurt us. And then begin that slow, slow, slow process of forgiving the people for what they did. And, and sort of trying to understand that, yes, these people were working for the church, but they were not doing it in the name of the church because no one who acts in the name of Christ's body could hurt a member of the body. Yeah. Father Chris Walsh, again, our spiritual director in our studio line, 888-914-9149. As we're talking about when somebody has hurt us within the church, maybe that's you, maybe that's somebody that you love, a member of your family or a close friend, and how have you maybe been able to accompany that person as they've been trying to wrestle through all of the the hurt, the trauma that has been caused by those past actions that they experienced. Maybe it's you yourself and you are going through that right now and you'd like to call in and talk with Father Chris Walsh, 888-914-9149. Father, when we come back, let's talk about how we are able to make that slow, that difficult journey to get to a place where we can forgive. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next here on The Inner Life. And you're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Mike, who's listening in Minnesota, for donating his O'Day sailboat. Join in with thousands of other listeners to donate your old vehicles or your old watercraft by visiting relevantradio.com car. back to The Inner Life today here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today we're talking with Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, the pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort Catholic Church in Philly, and talking about when we have been hurt in the church, when somebody has done something that's hurt us or maybe hurt somebody that we loved, and if that's been you, if you've been hurt by somebody in the church, whether that's a member of the clergy, whether it's a lay person, how have you been able to move forward to forgive that person who hurt you? How have you been able to find some healing? And what has helped you in that process, in that journey? Or maybe you're struggling right now with that and you're not sure what to do, and you'd like some advice, and you can call in and talk with Father Chris Walsh. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, Father, you know, this could be whether it's a member of the clergy or somebody else, um, you know, some somebody maybe who works in the parish office, maybe it's just another layperson who attends the parish, but if you've been hurt in the church... Um, you've talked a little about, 
you know, being able to find those people who will listen, that that's a good first step on that healing process. We talked about how there can be that anger, and maybe we can pick up there when there's that, that anger and that frustration that you're dealing with after you've been hurt. How do you, how do you deal with that so that it doesn't consume you? Yeah, very good point. I think first off, even just getting to the point where you are able to say, wow, yeah, this person hurt me. Wow, what they did was wrong. For some of us, that can take a while because we're sort of in the mix and we're not sure what happened, particularly with sexual harassment or sexual abuse. Oftentimes we're in such denial that it even took place that it can be months maybe even years. And so I know sometimes folks within the church are like, oh, come on, how could you not remember that? It's been my experience that oftentimes it's not that people forgot it, but they didn't know how to express it. They were not willing to admit it. And so I think our patience with ourselves and others, as we get to the point where we can say, wow, you know what, that hurt, that hurt, and that shouldn't have happened. And I think that's where also a close friend, a family member, a spouse sometimes might be the person we have to bounce things off of and say, no, you're right, you know. And then at that point, you know, we begin the long journey to healing. I think for many folks, if a crime was committed, a first step is is contacting the local police, right? Right, Sexual harassment is a crime. Sexual abuse is a crime. Rape is a crime. Sexual assault is a crime. Uh, In in some cases, you know, uh, harassment Right could could be deemed by the local authorities to be a crime. Uh, at that point, you're, you know, again, raising it to another level. I think sometimes people assume that a diocese knows that a pastor is having anger issues or that his staff is, you know, out of control. And the diocese oftentimes isn't. And so, you know, what does the scripture say? Well, confront the person. If you don't get the response, well, then take it to a few more. So it might be the local dean, the local vicar, you know, a neighboring pastor to get their feedback. Uh, and then if it's not done, take it to the whole church, right? So that's that's for most of us the diocesan level. And then they have to deal with it. And so uh, for most victims, that, that begins at least somewhat of a journey to justice. Uh, it doesn't always happen as, as, as they would like, but at least it's it's something that someone else is validating that this happened. I know talking with many victims of sexual abuse, you know, the, 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 across the country, this idea of, of having a chance to sue civilly, even though the statute of limitations has passed. And most of the folks don't want the money, uh, but they want a day in court to be told, yes, this happened and this was wrong. And they can't get it criminally, sure. and so they want it civilly. They, they want someone to validate that what, what happened to them did happen and it was wrong. Um, and, and I think that we all have that desire, which is why an apology is such a valid thing. So someone apologizes, yeah, what I did was wrong. Not one of these things, oh, if I did something that made you feel bad. No, 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 but, but an authentic apology. Um, and, and that's where the role of bishops, and many of our bishops have done a beautiful job in meeting with victims and people who have been hurt by the church. St. John Paul II gave us the example back in the Jubilee year of 2000 of apologizing for historic abuses of the church, the Reformation, the Crusades, the Inquisition, um, you know, different periods where the church did wrong, and, and he beautifully took responsibility and said, yeah, what, what happened was wrong. What happened was wrong, yeah. and we're sorry. You know, that goes a long well, way. Well, the other thing that I think goes along with that, that I've heard from multiple people, is not only would they like it acknowledged, you know, to to have it said this really did happen, 
they want to ensure because they they have experienced so much trauma from that event they want to ensure that nobody else has to go through with that and that's a big part of them wanting this brought to light is not like you say there's not any desire to have some sort of financial benefit from it it's to prevent anybody else from having to deal with all of the grief and frustration and anger and all of these, you know, the, 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 the stress and everything that goes along with it. Um, that's another yeah. big part of this. And if we think back to the early 2000s when the Dallas Charter came down and the bishops made the decision um, that in the case of priests, if there was even just one instance, credible accusation of, of sexual abuse, that that priest would be removed from ministry uh, forever. And, and, and many priests were like, whoa, <laughs> you know, where's that coming from? If there's only one one account, one accusation. And of course, the greater frustration was that the bishops did not include themselves in that. It's taken 20 more years for us to have a system to hold bishops accountable for similar accusations. But but what I said to my brother priests in, in their frustration, and, and still do, is first off, rarely is there one victim. <laughs> it's extremely rare, experts tell us, that, that, that a perpetrator would have one victim. Again, this is whether it's with children, with adults, you know, whatever. It's very, very rare. Might be only one person that came forward, but it's rare. But again, I've often said to my brother priest, well, okay, imagine if that victim was your nephew or your niece. Would you still feel the same way? These are not anonymous people. These are real people whose lives have been affected horribly. Praise God, some victims of abuse, of neglect, of harassment, they're able to bounce back. They're able to be resilient, but they carry scars, deep scars and wounds that affect every aspect of their life, not just that they don't go to church. And, and, and that has to be the forefront of our mind uh, as, as we, as, as pastors and as a church community, uh, continue to move forward in this. Let's talk about the aspect of forgiving. And I think, you know, this kind of goes back to what you said just a moment ago. You said, in the process... We have to be patient with others, but also patient with ourselves. I think this can also be the, the case in trying to find some semblance of freedom, find some peace. There's the forgiving the person who hurt you, being able to come to that place, but you also might struggle with forgiving yourself. You know, you, mm-hmm. you could look and say, ah, I feel like I was so foolish to allow myself to be in this position where this person could take advantage of me, or I feel really weak and helpless in trying to process and work through all of these feelings and emotions, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I, I should be stronger I should be strong enough to be able to move past this all on my own. Any advice on how to not only be able to get to that place of forgiveness for the person who hurt you, but being able to forgive yourself in that? Sure. Oftentimes, in my experience with people who have been abused, and again, not just by clergy, but by others, when they come to the point of you know, recognizing that this happened, um, and they begin the process to, to heal themselves and and find a way to forgive. Again, they realize a larger system that that again the perpetrator of abuse, and again even adult to adult, often is taking advantage of a situation. And so the person at the time maybe didn't realize how scarred or wounded they were because of a parent relationship, because of the marriage they were in or the marriage they had just gotten out of. And so there's not just the need to forgive in this one instance. 
but in the larger situation, right? And forgive myself for for not realizing how vulnerable I was, or not not speaking up sooner, um, you know, and and those types of things. But but again, to forgive someone who has hurt you, maybe within your marriage, maybe the parish secretary, maybe uh, the person who ran, you know, the the CYO sports program who. Who, who, who ruined your reputation as a coach over something or acted uh, imprudently on something or the priest, right? It, it, it takes a while when we realize that we've been hurt, especially if the hurt was, was, was great and maybe even, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, it, it's going to take time to forgive because we've been hurt greatly and to go through all the instances of the things that we need to forgive. But as Christians, we remain hopeful, we just celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday where Jesus says, you know, let me love you. Let me forgive you. Let me heal you. And then go and do the same. And so we remain hopeful. We remain hopeful for this to happen. Uh, we've been talking a lot about, you know, uh, the clergy, about sexual abuse that can happen there. But y- you mentioned, you know, maybe it's a, a parish secretary or another person in the church. And, and let's talk about that for a moment. You know, if they're the one to hurt us. And it could be anything from somebody who is rude or unwelcoming. You mentioned neglect in the past. Somebody maybe who there on the parish staff is judgmental of our past or a situation that we find ourselves in that's really kind of beyond our control. Um, or something that we, you know, it, it is in our past and we're trying to move forward. But people look down at us because of that. Um, it could be just a fellow par- parishioner. Um, maybe in their business, you know, they, they offered us some sort of product or good or service or something, and they didn't deliver on what was promised. They soured a friendship. Maybe uh, there has been infidelity between mm. your spouse and another person um, within the parish. Maybe your child had a falling out with another child of a family in the parish, and now your family is kind of being ostracized a bit on the outside. So many possibilities here. But they all come down to someone in the parish hurting us in some way. When that happens, um, how do you move forward, especially when you might have to see that person on a regular basis in the parish? I guess, how, how, can, how can you approach that without letting it drive you away from the church? Because I think that's the most natural response is kind of what... You know, (laughs) it's easier just to say, I don't want to deal with this, and I don't want to have to have this brought to my mind every time I walk through the doors of the parish. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be joyful receiving communion, and I'm going to be frustrated and angry and hurt. How can you you deal with that so that it doesn't push you away from the church? Yeah, and and another one that, again, many of the listeners may be able to identify with is, you know, the, 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 in some parishes, the pastor is the CEO of a rather large organization and maybe had to let someone go, right? Someone, someone was fired yeah, that's a great from their position, and I don't want to worship there. Or the kid was put out of school or suspended or expelled, and, you know, how could Father do this to our family, right? So, so the, the, the wounds are great. I think, as with everything, we have to begin with, do I want to forgive? Right? Do I want healing? Do I want to forgive? Because going to the next parish or just stop going entirely, that actually doesn't bring the level of healing that we don't. It takes away the hurt. It takes away the wound uh, or the reminder of the wound. But it actually doesn't bring healing. And people carry it for a long time. And eventually, 
before they die, please God, they, they have to deal with it. Um, and, and so I think, you know, the advice is when someone in the church has heard us, right, there's that natural inclination where I, I just want to go away. And maybe you need to for a little while. Maybe you need to go worship in another parish for a few weeks to just sort of clear your head or months while you, while you clear your head, while you figure out what you're doing, while you talk to a spiritual director or a counselor and figure out what the course of action is. And again, making it known, seeking to stop the abuse, confronting the person if that's a, a safe option. Um, or confronting them with someone else to make sure that it happens in a in a healthy way. Um, and, and again, we don't always feel like forgiving, right? We don't always feel like forgiving, but we're commanded to forgive. And 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 the feeling might follow uh, eventually. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll make the choice to forgive, but I still feel something. And so that's where the grace of God. Uh, comes in and, and, and gives us new life. Again, imagine how Peter felt when he saw Jesus in those resurrection appearances. Like, I remember last week, you told me three, said three times you didn't know who I was. Like, but Jesus forgives. And in that forgiveness, again and again and again, Peter forgives himself and trust is rebuilt and a relationship begins again. And, and, and that's how it happens. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Right? Again, and people forget sometimes priests have been hurt by the church. Priests have been hurt by bishops. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. you know, and the sexual abuse stuff falls on us. I was assigned to live at a parish, um, and I found out later because I was supposed to sort of keep an eye on the priest who was there who had had some boundary violations in the past, but I was never told. <laughs> I was never mm-hmm. told that this guy had this problem until I found out about it much many years later. So, again, the, the pain from that, that, that there I was supposed to be a protector— but didn't know that that was my role. Talking with Father Chris Walsh today about when we've been hurt in the church, somebody, whether it's a member of the clergy or a lay person that has hurt us, and maybe that's you. And how have you been able to move forward to find that healing? Um, maybe it's a struggle for you right now, and you're you're really kind of wrestling through that process and you'd like some advice, some encouragement, you can speak with Father Chris Walsh by calling us here in the studio, 888 Father, let's go to Sean, who's listening in Austin. Uh, Sean, thanks for calling into the inner life. You're on the air with Father Chris Walsh. Hello, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, go right ahead. Um, so I was abused by a priest in my 20s and moved on from it and married and had children and had a 30-year marriage. And during the process of that marriage, I realized that what happened with that priest was destroying me. So I went through therapy and 12-step programs, and I forgave him. I forgave my parents for putting me in a vulnerable situation that got me where that happened. I thought I had worked it all through. I forgave him. I forgave my parents. But in the meantime, it all gets revealed in my marriage. And what happened, what I hoped would have happened is that someone who loves me would understand. But she she spent 10 years trying to deal with it and then finally said, I'm done. I can't deal with it anymore. I, I don't want anything. And she, she would never talk to me about it. She just wanted me to get fixed. And so I, would, you know, I finally got to a point where I felt loved and understood 
And I even had people in therapy ask me why I was still Catholic after what happened to me. And my answer was always, well, what did Peter say when Jesus asked, yeah. are you going to leave me too? And Peter's answer was, where else can we go? You're it. You're the truth. You're the way. And that was always my answer. But now I'm just feeling abused a whole nother level. And I'm really struggling with my faith. Uh, she's she's applied for annulment. I'm defending. Uh, it's been difficult because I don't think the tribunal is used to people defending, so they haven't understood me. They've miscommunicated with me. It's been a year of very difficult uh, process, and I'm just I'm what and right now what I'm trying to do is forgive her. Sure. And I'm. I'm at a point where I don't know how. Well, I'm certainly very sorry, Sean, for for these many levels of pain, but but, but commend you for the courage that you had and in coming forward and 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 working this process. And you certainly know about the journey. It is uh, far far better than I do. And I think you reveal a whole other part, you know, of the the pain of abuse, uh, which is how other people deal with people who have been victims, which often leads to a revictimization. Right, that somehow you were less than, or somehow you're broken uh, because of it. When, when in fact, you know, it, it was a manipulation uh, that, that you suffered. And um, you know, please God, your wife on her journey will will eventually receive the healing she needs, and there'll be some level of reconciliation uh, over time. And uh, but, but thank you for your witness. Thank you for your call. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure you've got great wisdom you know, and able to help others and, and certainly some of our listeners even in understanding just the complexity and the pain um, that, that happens because of abuse. And Sean, you'll be in my prayers too, um, just that you're able to find that peace uh, that you and your wife will hopefully be able to reconcile at some point here. Um, but thank you for calling in. Again, our phone number here to call into the studio, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As we're talking today with Father Chris Walsh, uh, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and we're talking about when we have been hurt in the church. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe it's happened to somebody that you love. Maybe you're having a difficult time processing and dealing with seeing somebody else you love, someone you care about, who has been hurt in the church. And it's put that wedge in your relationship, just like Sean was talking about his wife and her response. And you'd like to talk with Father Chris Walsh and uh, get some advice, um, you can call in at 888-914-9149 or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states.
Thanks for listening to The Inner Life today here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you as part of the program today as we're talking about when you've been hurt in the church. Whether that's a layperson or a member of the clergy, maybe somebody who works in the office as part of the leadership there in your parish, and you've been hurt. And how have you been able to find healing? How have you been able to make that journey to a place where you can offer forgiveness to that person that hurt you? And what has helped you make it to that place of forgiveness? Maybe you're struggling right now with trying to find that, that road to forgiveness. And you'd like to talk with Father Chris Walsh, our spiritual director, you can call in at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. And you can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, one of the other things that might be good to talk about here, we've been talking about individuals who might hurt us, but um, maybe we can talk for a moment about somebody who feels hurt because of an answer they've received about them, their life situation, and it's regarding a teaching of the church. And, it, and I'm talking about a correct, authentic teaching, not, not somebody who's you know, twisted a teaching around, but a true, authentic teaching of the church, and that's what makes them feel unwelcomed or hurt. And so I'm talking about maybe a couple where one of the spouses, they were previously married, they fell away from the church, got divorced, got remarried, eventually came back to their faith, to the church, and now they realize in this second marriage they aren't able to receive an annulment, and so they're in a canonically invalid marriage, and they aren't able to receive communion. Um, you know, maybe there's kids involved in a, you know, the family there, and so it's not practical to be able to go back to the first marriage or for a separation. So there's a lot of dynamics there. Another situation could be somebody who just simply struggles with same-sex attraction and because of the church's clear teaching on homosexual activity, uh, they feel unwanted, unwelcomed, maybe like a second-class citizen within the church. What would you say to that individual who doesn't feel welcome at church because of maybe a, a situation like one of these? Yeah, well, praise God for your honesty and going to a whole other area where people feel cut off and hurt by the church. And another area that I would add, which I, I encounter probably nowadays even more than those, which is couples who have made a choice to conceive through you know, in vitro fertilization. Uh, which also is a very clear teaching of of the church. And here they are saying, well, you know, I wanted to have a baby, and so this is what the church promotes, but the way I did it, you know, because of infertility, uh, is not in accord with church teaching. I think we're in an interesting time, Josh, in that, um, you know, some of the data, you know, on, on, on people's attitudes towards the church, it doesn't necessarily reflect that these are issues in large numbers. And a friend of mine pointed out the reason for that is because many of the folks have left the church. <laughs> you know, so they're, they're, we're not encountering folks who have these problems necessarily in the pews, but we encounter them at family parties. We encounter them this time of year, First Communion, where they're coming for a niece or a nephew or a friend's child's communion or confirmation or at weddings. And so how do we respond? Well, again, empathy, understanding, listen to the person. Listen to all the situations as, as they explain it, and and be empathetic that that they're hurting, that they're suffering. I don't think we need to respond right away with you know our, our catechetical answers or by citing the catechism, or by sending them a link to relevant radio shows. 
as wonderful as that will be, that will be down the road. Uh, so I just think, just listen and assure the person that God loves them and that there's a place for them in the church. And that often, even when the church writes her documents, it talks about how the church understands this is a difficult teaching, right? Certainly when you look at the courage apostolate, uh, Father Phil Bachansky is a, is a classmate who leads that now. You know, they're always leading with, yeah, the, the church's teaching on this is difficult, you know, but we're going to be with you as, as it unfolds. Even Paul VI, when he wrote Humanae Vitae on contraception, artificial contraception, he says this is a difficult teaching. It will be difficult for many to follow. And, and, and I think, you know, some bishops have written letters on the transgender issue. And again, parents who have a child who's, who's transgendered, right, they, they're, they're torn because they love their child. They want a relationship with the child. But the child is saying, well, the church hates me, right, which is, of course, not the case. Right? The church has a, has a message that is different from the one they're believing, has a belief that's different than the one they're believing. And, and we come to a standoff because often the church's beliefs are in contrast to the other person's belief. Mm-hmm. And so can we try to gain understanding? Can Before you reject the church's teaching, can you try to understand why the church teaches this? And can we have some conversations? And again, I've seen pastoral letters from the bishops of St. Louis and now Arlington both addressing the transgender issue, and I think they do it in a beautiful way. Now, whether or not the person's willing to read it, well, that, that's another issue. Um, and, and since the very beginning of the church, people have made the decision to shake the dust and walk away, and there's there's a hurt and there's a wound. But the church, you know, does have a job. We're not just the mother who holds you when you're hurting. We're also the teacher who guides you in, in the truth that's necessary for salvation. And so many people are... are like like the early church, they're, they're believing all sorts of things that do hurt them. And so how do we properly catechize, properly teach, knowing that sometimes these teachings are in direct contradiction, right? And, and that's for all of us. Some of us like to gossip, but the church tells us we can't right, gossip. Right. And so which, which wins out? I, I would like to drink Guinness all night long, but I know it's, it's not good for me, and the church tells me, you know, you have to stop, right? I, I mean, all sorts of aspects of the moral life— are in contradiction to what we want. Um, and, and so that's where that need for mature faith, for developing faith, for confident, informed faith. Um, but I think in the in the interim, as you encounter the person who says, wow, the church doesn't like me. Oh, tell me about that. Tell me about that. And I think one of the things that Rome has certainly done in recent years is raise up folks who have every reason to not like the church but who continue to find ways to love and remain Catholic. Mm. Father Chris Walsh, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today on this difficult topic. We've got about uh, 20 seconds left here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May Almighty God bless you and give you wisdom and the faith to remain Catholic in despite of difficulties. And may he bring healing to all those who are hurting, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. And I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Angasser for their help in producing the program. If you missed an earlier portion of the program, of course, find the podcast at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. Mass is coming up next. And tomorrow we're going to be talking about when we struggle with doubt in our faith. How can we make it through? How can we bolster our faith, our trust? We'll talk about that tomorrow on The Inner Life.